Hey, I'm Jay Thomas, and welcome to the Bald Tires Podcast. Generally, car people have owned a lot of cars throughout the years. It's just what we do. We're driven to find these cars that are special to us, and we want to experience something extraordinary. Today, I'm talking to Russ Burr, a guy with a 427 AC Cobra kit car and a slammed F-150 in his garage, and we're talking about one of the coolest cars he's owned, a blue-chip 1965 Mustang Shelby GT350 and the sweet story that goes along with it. I'm Jay Thomas, and this is the Bald Tires Podcast, because when you make great memories, you make bald tires. Well, I'm in a really cool garage right now. I'm sitting next to a Cobra, a kit car Cobra, underneath a lift with a little five liter Mustang uh, Fox body up on the top of the lift. And joining me right now is Russ Burr. Russ, thanks for joining me. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me, Jay. Yeah, this is great. Now, Russ owns Stone Temple Concrete. Yep. Uh, but besides that, he uh, does a lot of a lot of car stuff. You got a little shop, right? Yeah. Yeah, we started something, uh, I don't know, about a year ago, just messing around in there and, ha- and having somebody working it all the time. And yeah, I've been doing some neat projects actually so do you do you do customer cars do you do is it mostly your stuff or what it has been mostly mine we have uh we have a customer a 67 camaro in there right now that we're doing an ls9 build on uh just waiting for parts it's been a bit frustrating with the covid thing Mm -hmm. and parts but uh it's i think it's getting close to having everything we need to finish it off and uh we're doing a 75 blazer in there as well oh cool that one's for my wife so i guess that's kind of our own but then i actually have a lineup of another 67 camaro to do uh with an ls9 again um with a 4l80 and a 85 blazer with a six liter ls conversion and a 4l80 with fuel injection and all that good stuff. So awesome. some, some fun stuff going going on over there. That's really cool. So, hey, you can look forward to uh, videos and more to come from Russ, Russ's garage, we'll just call it. <laughs> and, and we'll be uh, taking a tour of that at some point. But I, when I met you, Russ, you told me a really cool story. And, I, and that's what I wanted to share today. Okay. I mean, you, <laughs> sounds like you've had a whole bunch of really cool cars in your lifetime, haven't you? I've had a, I've had a few neat ones, yeah. Yeah. It's so, you know, the guys you meet, the people you meet in this industry is so cool. So I've had a few, yeah. What was your first cool car in your mind? Man, you know, the first car I ever bought with my own money was a 79 Malibu. Um, and, it, you know, of course, it just had a 305 or whatever. But, you know, it was it was a pretty cool car. It was a two-door, and I was mm-hmm. in high school. And, and uh, you know, we put Kragers on the back, and it would flip the air cleaner lid. What else could you have? What else did you need? <laughs> Instant turbo, right? Right. <laughs> Tell me the whole story. This is, we're talking about a 67? Five. 65, sorry. Yeah. Mustang GT350 Shelby. Yeah, right? that's right. So where did you even find the thing? Well, I had a very close friend of mine was a salesman at Jubilee Ford, and he was their, their SVT specialist. Um, the fellow that owned the car called the dealership. He was unfortunately uh, terminally ill. And he called the dealership because he also owned a 66 GT350 that Vaughn had owned at one time. If those of you that remember back in the 80s, the green 66 that Vaughn had on the 8th Street mm-hmm. uh, in the showroom for a while, that car was sold to this guy. Okay. So he called the dealership to see if Vaughn maybe wanted his car back. And my friend knew that he also owned a 65 GT350, which for those of you who aren't aren't kind of aware of what those cars are there. They'd be classified as a blue chip car. They're, they're, um, the first experience with Carroll Shelby and the Mustang and they're iconic. There was only 521 of them built. So, uh, so he, Larry said to, to him, uh, I, I, I'll ask Vaughn about your 66, but I have a friend that'd be really interested in your 65. And David said, well, I, I don't think I want to sell that car yet. And Larry said, well, you can, can Russ just call you, you know, and, and <laughs> you guys can talk about it or whatever. So I, I, he had agreed. And later that night I called him. We talked for two or three hours. He lived in the White Horse, in White Horse, Yukon. Wow. So we're coming on to winter. Uh, and of course, winter in White Horse is worse than here. <laughs> Pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I did fly down there. He agreed to, to let me come see the car. We, we had talked about an approximate price on it where he possibly would sell it. 
uh, flew down there. And then Whitehorse, when you go to Whitehorse, you don't go there for the afternoon and come home. You're, <laughs> you're there three days. That's right. Till the yeah. next flight leaves. That's right. And there's only like a, it was like a Monday and a Wednesday or a Thursday flight or something. So I went down on, on the Monday, I think, um, and looked at the car. He gave me several hours by myself to just look at it. And I took pictures and sent pictures back to some of my buddies who knew a lot about Shelby's. Mm-hmm. And we had a conversation on that. And then, you know what, it just kind of died. And I hung out with the guy for like two days. And, we, and he had other really cool cars, and we did that. And we did, he took me to his chemo treatments and showed me uh, all of his buddies' car collections and had just the best tour ever of Whitehorse Yukon in the middle of winter. <laughs> That's cool. Um, it was fun. And uh, so, I mean, it was the night before I was flying home, and I'm like, David, I came here to buy your car. Let's make a deal, you know? And uh, so we did, we did agree, come to terms, uh, agreed on a price, and I flew home uh, with the agreement that I would come back a month or two later with a trailer and come and get it. So, so you were going to drive we, with a trailer in the middle of winter. That's right. All the way up there. All the way down that Alaska highway. Yeah. It's I a thousand kilometers. Like when you leave, I think it's Fort St. John, yeah. right? It says White Horse 1000. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's right. mountains the whole way. Oh, totally. It's, it's shit the whole way. <laughs> we, we, I, when I was in high school, we did a, I have an aunt and uncle that live in Whitehorse. Okay. And we did a family trip. Mm-hmm. And it was like we were gone for three weeks or a month or whatever it was. Yeah. But it, it, it takes, I don't know, if you're driving maybe flat out not so long, but even 10-hour days or 12-hour days, it's, yeah. it's three days. Yeah. Pretty much by the time you're up there, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah, it's not always 100 kilometers an hour around some of those corners right. on, on those roads. Right, and you probably went in summer. Oh, totally. Right, yeah. So in, in summer, you, you can get gas at all those little towns are open. It's kind of touristy, right? <laughs> I remember that we, it, this is a long time ago, yeah. but you know, gas here and in, the, in Alberta was like, I don't know, 70 something cents a liter. Right. My dad hit the roof. Because up there, it was a buck a liter, <laughs> which now is like, yeah. hallelujah. Free. Free. Yeah. But, but he just about like went berserk yeah. because it was a buck a liter at, at those little tiny towns. And right. you just fill up. You yeah. just, you get to a next gas station. You, you still got half a tank. No, yeah, you just know. fill it up because yeah. the next town might not have it. Yeah. And, and you Do you remember going. that town that had all the signs? The signpost like, forest? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That was the only place that actually had diesel fuel the whole way between Whitehorse and... Uh, uh, Fort St. John in the winter. What? Yeah. Dude, we had 100 gallons in the box of the truck, <laughs> like a, like we had a slip tank yeah. in there. And pulling a trailer with a Dodge, um, we like I was getting concerned because we had already emptied the 100 gallons. The fuel gauge was starting to move. I mean, we still had a few hundred K left pulling the trailer, but yeah, we, that was the only place you could get fuel. That's freaky. Yeah. Like you would have, you would have never made it without that slip tank. No, without the slip, I don't even know. Like it was fluky that I put it in there, but there's no, not a chance no. we would have made that run. No. You know, it's, it's, well, it's a long way. And was it like, was the highway plowed the whole way up there? Um, we didn't run into snow, uh, but it was, it had like, like curling rink ice on it. So Oof. it's not like they salted it. It was, but it, it wasn't that slippery. Hmm. You know, it was like pebbled sort of. Yeah. Um, but we were in four wheel drive the whole way. Really? Yeah. So you go there uh-huh. and you, you load the thing up. Well, you know, I had, I had a, a few buddies with me and some of them knew him from the international Mustang meets over the years. So they were, you know, they were welcome to see him and they're glad to see him. And we got out of the truck and I had, uh, some cash and some certified check and, and, uh, we got there and, and he was almost like he was going to back out. Oh no. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm like. I mean, I didn't want to, you know, none of us wanted to be, get alarmed or anything, but he was acting as though he had changed his mind when we got there. And meanwhile, you had just driven three days, yeah. spent all this money. <laughs> oh man. Right. So, you know, he, he ended up letting us load it and we, we settled up and, and, uh, yeah, he had some neat parts too that he ended up giving me, he gave me a, a battery, original Motorcraft uh, red top battery that really? had never been out of the box. It was NOS or whatever. Really? Uh, some other parts he sent with the car. Um, he was a good guy. You know, unfortunately, he, he did pass away from cancer um, not too long. I mean, about a year after. Okay. But, uh, yeah, he was a good man. Anybody that, you know, was in the Mustang mm-hmm. um, uh, community and had, had been in Shelby's, he was also into Boss 351s. Uh, they all knew David, so crazy, yeah, good guy. 
Ed, take me through the car. So, like, yeah. what color options? They're all Wimbledon white. Every 65 GT350 is Wimbledon white. Okay. Um, they only, Ford only put, or Shelby, I guess, Shelby American. So the cars came to Shelby, painted Wimbledon white, all plain, uh, had no back seats in them. And uh, the Shelby American uh, turned them into essentially a road race car. So they yeah. put on uh, magnesium wheels on them they uh or craigers depending if it was an r model or not so the 521 those are street cars okay so those were those have had factory craigers or from from shelby and they put rocker panel stripes on them that said gt350 mm -hmm. um, and that was really uh you know all they did cosmetically to the car it had a uh it had a, a four barrel uh solid lifter cam 289 with a four speed and uh no rear seat uh, and it had a roll bar in it, a uh, factory uh, hoop roll bar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it had um, the lat, like racing style lap belts. Like you'd have a five point harness, yep. but it had just the lap belts. Right. Okay. Uh, and that was really it. The, the spare tire was mounted in the center where the rear seat would have been. Okay. And yeah. um, there was a couple options along the way in those cars that were, that became desirable. When they started building them, they made a 16 inch steering wheel. Mm -hmm. uh, there were wood, those wood steering wheels, uh, much like that one has. Uh, that oh, Cobra. okay, yeah, so the that Cobra. style of wheel. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had the they put the batteries in the trunk, and they had a few different manufacturers for the fiberglass hood that they put on them, and they were the first uh, contractor they hired to build the hoods did a really shitty job, and they didn't match the fender. They were way too bowed. <laughs> okay. So those now, believe it or not, are the desirable ones. <laughs> Little did I know this car had all of those options. It had it had the rear battery, it had uh, the the 16-inch steering wheel, and it had the shitty hood. So those are what later what I found out when I went to sell the car is what everybody wanted. Wow. So I didn't really know that until I actually advertised it. But here we are. So we're loaded the car. Um, that's a little bit about GT350s. We load it. We start heading home and. Of course, it's dark the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Because the sun, it's the middle of winter, right? Right. That's the other freaky thing about there. Yeah, yeah, not just winter, but it's dark. Yeah. And the sun just kind of pokes up. Yeah. And sort of lights up sort of twilight-ish. That's right. Right? And then yeah. it kind of goes back down. Yeah, it was really not light till I don't know, 10.30 or something. It was dark before 3. Yep. Yeah, yeah. it's hardly any light at all. Mm. And it doesn't really even climb high into the sky. No, it barely, it's, it barely peaks the horizon. It just, yeah, it just cups, comes up above the horizon. Yeah, it's... And then the opposite, like I was there in the summer, right, uh, as a kid. Never sets. I think it was like midnight mm -hmm. and it was still <laughs> just, you know, everybody who lives there has these massive blinds and shades and stuff. So yeah. you can actually get asleep yeah. in the summertime. Yeah. Because can you imagine living there? Just what the, the, con the sharp contrast between summers and winters. Oh, man. I struggle with that myself, yeah. the way it is here. Yeah. You know, with, with the extreme cold and the darkness we've got, I can't even imagine what it's like there. No. No. I know I can't even. So, how long did you own this car for? Man, I I want to say five or six years probably. Um, it was fun, you know. The car had been had been mostly painted one time. It had the in, the engine bay had been detailed, but everything else was actually original. So it was didn't it didn't qualify as a survivor per se. Okay. But the paint job was old enough that you know it had some dings and it not dents but it had some some wear on it okay right? yeah very very good shape but it had some wear it was original seat upholstery that was the only thing you had to kind of watch because those seats were getting real old <laughs> it can't um but man we, we drove it you know yeah we drove it a lot a lot of people don't know it was just a white fastback mustang to most people you could uh pretty much go for dinner and park it in the parking lot nobody would even look at it you know yeah people that don't know it's a it, it's a an iconic car don't they just kind of walk by and so, what was shelby signing all those even at that time well, he, yeah, like he had been, you know, he had been doing that. And I never really, I never really got on board with that. I guess I should have pulled my glove box and, and sent it to him and had him sign it. But I never, I never did that. I, I just kind of, I kind of thought that was a little corny. Like, it's kind of <laughs> okay. like, you know what, who cares? Who needs his signature, right? It, <laughs> yeah, he sure. built the car. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. We yeah. don't need him to sign it now when he's 80 years old, but. You know, in hindsight, I wish I would have because it means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. When you know, when you sell a car like that, it's the first thing everybody asks is, it, is it signed, right? It's kind of a thing now, yeah, right? Yeah, should have done it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of become that. Yeah. So you have it for five years. 
Yeah. What did you have to do in the meantime to it? Like any, did it need anything? No, really, really. I did nothing. I just tried to take care of it. Um, we did put, uh, the blue dot tires on it. Cool. So, so the, the actual, they made reproductions of the actual tires that they would have had on yeah. them. It had radials on it when I got it, but we did put the bias ply blue, blue dots on. Um, and then, uh, Carol Shelby passed away during that time. And I thought I'm always thinking investment. I guess I, sometimes I need to not always think that way, but <laughs> I started going, well, what can we compare this to? Is this an opportunity to, to turn a profit on it? So I looked at, at when Enzo Ferrari had passed away and what the blue chip Ferraris had done yeah. in value, uh, just to kind of make a good guess on what would happen to these values. And, um, I made the decision that, uh, it, it was a good time to sell the year that he had passed. Mm -hmm. Now in hindsight, it wasn't, um, they did continue to, the blue chip cars did continue to go up after. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. Um, the other reason I decided to sell it was, it was just a real big responsibility to own a car like that with that value. I don't want to really say numbers here. People can do their own research. Yeah, sure. On what a, what a almost survivor, you know, no rust, no all original sheet metal GT350 would go for. But um, it, it was... You couldn't, I couldn't insure it for anywhere near what it was worth here in Saskatchewan. Haggerty wasn't really dealing with car collectors oh, at okay. the time. Yep. And every time I left my shop, I was, you know, man, I hope this place doesn't burn down, you know, <laughs> with <laughs> it, the car in it. Right. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. it's worth so much. Yeah. How would you ever, you can't replace it, you know? So we, we decided it was time to, to let it go into a collection. You know, I think that that stress probably is something that a lot of car guys battle. You're right. Because there are certainly, and you, you, we've both seen them at, you know, the Dragons Run Custom Show and all kinds of other places, though. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, there's lots of trailer queens, mm -hmm. as we call them, yeah. right? Cars that are so well redone or yeah. customized that, you know, the mirrors go underneath of them yeah. when they're on, the show, on show and, you know, they're on the pedestal moving or tur <laughs> turning around the turntable. Yeah. But they never hit the road again. No. But yeah. because they've spent literally so much money in that case, you know, into yeah. it. But it's the same scenario with a car like that, that it's worth so much yeah. that you. <laughs> yeah. There's kind of those two, there's those two tipping points. It's you make it too nice. Yeah. You know, which is what you were explaining. But then on this car, it wasn't that it couldn't be driven because it did have, it did have gravel marks on mm -hmm. it. It, did, mm -hmm. it had, it had driven through a little road muck. You know, it had that stuff on it. So you could get away with it that way, but it was just the strict value. What happens if I get T-boned? Yes. What happens if it burns in my shop? What happens if, 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 and it does go through your mind, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't care how, well, I guess guys like Jay Leno or whatever, maybe don't think about it, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but guys, little guys like me that, you know, that's a stretch to own something like that. Um, that went through my mind all the time. Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's those two situations. I think it's funner to have a kit car like that yes, or have this truck that yeah, it's cool on the outside, but it's not, it's not over the top and it's, it's a drivable vehicle. You know, it's not too nice. You know, those, those show cars been down that road too. And it's just, you, you, by the time you're done making it that nice, you actually hate it. Really? <laughs> you do. Cause you, all you see is the imperfections. <laughs> I, I get that. Yeah. I'm a bit of a perfectionist myself. Mm -hmm. So I even, even my old car that I have, which is nothing like what we're talking about here, Super but even clean though. Yeah. Well, it is, yeah. but even then I struggle because I want it to be perfect, yeah. but it's a 50 year old car. Yeah. And so every little detail I'm concerned about, but you just you kind of drive yourself crazy eventually yeah. with it a little yeah. bit. So I always have to kind of reset and step back and go, Okay, it's not perfect, but it's 50 years old and it's still here yeah. and I can still drive it. Yeah. So there's, there's even just kind of value in that, but yeah. it's okay if it's not perfect. Yeah. It's, it made it this far. Yeah, and you, know? you get to be a steward of it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that sort of thing. Yeah. But, you know, different scenario for my, in my case and, you know, the value you're talking about with uh -huh. that Mustang. So right. I, I get why, you know, mm -hmm. you were sort of maybe ready to let it move to its, yeah. a different home. Yeah, yeah. You know, and one other thing, I mean... It's kind of a, it just, this is just me being honest. When you, when you run a business and you have employees, 
Um, this is just a lesson for anybody who's in that position. You know, you, even if you get to a certain pay grade or whatever, you got to still be really careful with how you conduct yourself around your employees and around your people of, that you do business with, mm. because um, not everybody sees it as fun. You know, some people see it a little bit differently, and you start getting this collection of things. It, even if you're being, even if you have a humble attitude about it, it's not always perceived that way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's good to just let go of some of those, some of those things that are maybe keeping you from being the person you need to be, or um, the perception that you need, need need to achieve. Yeah, maybe yeah. you need to let go of that. Uh, you're, you're, it's not a status that you're trying to achieve, and your 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 um, intentions may be great. Yeah, but. Um, I found really with employees, it was a, it was a, a not a good road I was going down to to own cars like that, because even if I felt I was being really fair with them, um, was I? You know, mm-hmm. did, did they deserve more and me deserve less? I don't know. That's a that's a road that only you know in that situation. But that was one of the things where we just chose. You know, let's simplify our life a little bit. Yeah. And okay. let's let's get rid of some of these things that we don't really need. We don't, we're not trying to show off. We're not trying to be, you know, um, a certain status. It was just fun car guy shit. But, um, so that was another reason. So there's kind of three reasons why that's we interesting. decided to advertise it. That's, just, fa- that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's, and I think everybody's been in a situation as, a, say, uh, an employee mm-hmm. where, you know, I, I get what you're talking about, yeah. you know. So and so's got this. Ooh, la yeah. da. You know, and there's yeah, that. And I be- haven't had a raise or or right. Yeah, and you that know? that chatter sort of starts to talk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's that, and it's one thing if you're in a huge, gigantic corporation, yeah. but when you're, uh, you're a when small you're, company with a few employees, yeah, it's a real thing. It, you know, it, it is, and it is, and it, and it was, um, you know, I started looking at other businessmen that uh, had successful companies and that were trying to grow them, and they had really good morale in their crew, and I respected them, mm-hmm. and I. And I thought, you know what? I don't see them doing that kind of stuff. You know, I see them living very simple and humble. And they, I'm sure they have a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that was a lesson, uh, maybe a hard lesson, but okay. yeah. But whatever. It was, that was another reason why we kind of decided to just let go of some of that stuff. So tell know? me the story of when you when you made that decision. When we did, okay. Yeah. Well, we we put it in Hemmings. Uh, which was just on, it, it was online at that time, yep. but it was mostly the magazine. It, lots of car guys will remember. So what, like what year are we talking about roughly? Ah, uh, geez. Well, about a year after Carol Shelby died would have been like, Oh, I should know that number, but probably 2011 or okay. 12. Yep. Okay. A little while like ago. 12, 13. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, everything, it's not like we didn't have the internet or anything, but no, no, but, but things were not quite as online as they are now. Certainly. So you, you would still, car guys would still rush to get their Hemmings magazine every month mm-hmm. and they would watch Bear Jackson and that, that's kind of what set the tone for, for values. Um, yeah, so we threw it in there and, uh, man, I started getting phone calls and, <laughs> I think the second guy, it was the second guy that called me. Uh, he just gave me his name and he didn't really say, he just said, when we're off the phone, you can Google who I am. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know him by name. Um, so we talked for a while, quite a while. Uh, and then we agreed that we would talk again the next night or whatever. And I would, he kind of made me an offer. I got off the phone and I Googled him and he was the vice president of McDonald's. <laughs> like North America. Yeah, in North America. Yeah. Holy. Like, lived in Chicago by like where the McDonald's headquarters is. And uh so wow, okay, that was real. And and <laughs> the next the next day I get called by a NASCAR driver. Really? Actually from his cell phone. <laughs> yeah. I mean I won't say who it was, but um it, it was a very, very well known NASCAR driver. Um, a couple other guys called during the next few days that were I, I didn't know that weren't necessarily not famous. During that time, we did make a verbal agreement with the vice president of McDonald's yeah. to uh, take on partial trade his 68 GT350 convertible, uh, which had been uh, inspected by a, a, a Shelby certified concourse judge when he bought it. So, I mean, I, re- I really didn't have much to say about it other than, you know, I assume the value you know I knew kind of what it was worth and we made the agreement based on on those values 
um, and you know something I didn't want for something he wanted, and and yeah, you know, and yeah. I thought it was kind of cool. You know, I thought, hey, that car is gonna, you know, it's it's less valuable, it's driver quality, it'll be cool. So we did make a verbal agreement. He he threw a a, a check in the courier, yeah, and then uh, as a deposit, and then he was gonna fly that judge here to inspect the car. So during the time we were waiting for this this guy to come inspect the 65 I get a call from a guy Fran Cress so he's known as Mr. Cobra okay um, so he's like a, a very iconic Cobra collector has many many I guess real AC Cobras okay so that's hence the name Mr. Cobra Mr. Cobra yeah um, I believe he has uh, like some real four GTs as well oh wow uh, but he didn't have a 65 and he saw my ad and he was he called me and he said um, I'll, like I told him where I lived and stuff and he goes well I'll just bring the jet in the morning and I'll be there with a suitcase full of US money and <laughs> the, car's, the, the car will be mine <laughs> and I was like well Mr. Kress that sounds really good and it's very tempting but I mean I have another guy I mean very well I mean an icon guy sure. another super wealthy dude that can also afford it We've made a verbal agreement. The Shelby community is small. And I said, how, how would you feel if I said yes to you, but tonight someone else phoned and his jet was faster than yours and I sold it to him in the yeah. morning, right? I said, I just don't feel right about that. Um, so he kind of he was not, not too impressed because he actually offered me more than I was asking. Really? Uh, quite a bit more. And he was going to just pay cash in the morning and there was no trade. You know, I mean, I, looking back, <laughs> I, I maybe would have done it differently <laughs> had I, you know, had I known what I what, what ended up happening with our deal with the McDonald's guy. So anyway, yeah. So the, the guy came inspected it. Um, car was perfect, of course. Of course. Like I had told him it was. You know, it was clean and dry. It'd been a California car originally. How um, many How many miles on it by that point? Um, I think it had seventy five thousand miles. Okay, so mm -hmm. some, but yeah, it had some miles, but hadn't turned over. Uh, it had been modified a little bit. Uh, they had put on the 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 R wheels, so the magnesium wheels. Mm -hmm. uh, they had put on a, a different the, the R model front air dam on it, and they had raced it a little bit in like SCCA racing. Oh wow! Yeah, so they had done a little bit of that. There was two brothers. One had a clone, and and the one had the real car. Uh, and the guy with the clone continued to race, and his brother stopped racing, and it was stored. So it had been when I when David bought it. Yeah. Uh, it had been stored for 20-some years w in that state. And then when David got it, he put... So if you check the Shelby registry, the, the number was uh, 5S132. So anybody that's listening that has a Shelby registry, you can look up 5S132 and you'll see it says it has magnesium wheels and it was changed to uh, uh, the Kragers and, okay. and done this and detailed the engine. So that's how it still reads in the Shelby registry. Um, yeah, so we ended up... Um, the deal, the deal went through and, uh, I, I wanted to deliver the car, um, to, to Jose. Mm -hmm. Um, so we loaded it in, uh, that same trailer that we picked it up, in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the same truck and we, we drove all the way to Chicago. Um, I did the export paperwork at the border and it was oh, kind wow. of fun. The guys at the border came out and they went, I want to see what this, you know, expensive Mustang looks like. Right, because you could he, have to declare values right, and stuff like that, value, right? So they knew what he had paid for. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, we go through there. It was really cool. And we, uh, a friend of mine, Kevin, came with me. And we, uh, we got to Chicago kind of about 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And uh, Mr. McDonald's was still at, at work. Mm -hmm. So we found his address. And we unloaded the car and put it on his curved drive. He lived like in a white picket fence, huge lot neighborhood in Chicago. Really, really nice. <laughs> cool. In an old house, like a turn of the century oh, neat. castle kind of house. It was really cool. Um, so we sat on his front step and made sandwiches and uh, detailed the car until he came home. And, um, it, was, it was neat. We he came home. He was very, very, um, very, very kind, very nice guy, cool. very respectful guy uh, and humble, you know, for a guy in his position. Um, he thanked us for bringing it in. He took the, the convertible out and we looked, we, we briefly looked it over. I didn't really, 
I didn't really feel like I needed to like super inspect it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it had been looked over by a guy that I, I wouldn't, he's forgot more than I'll ever know about Shelby. <laughs> so I really just kind of peeked at it. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's perfect, man. It's what I want, you know? And it was a 60, 68. Eight. Yeah. Okay. So it was a, not in its original color anymore. Um, it had a white top and it was painted red where it had been gold, like the wheels on the truck. Yep. Um, originally. So yeah, we, we loaded up. Uh, he put us up in the Hamburger State or Hamburger University Hotel there, the the Hyatt for <laughs> night. Really? Yeah. Um, and so in the morning we yeah we got on our way and started heading home. And a couple day drive of course, and we got home and threw the car on the hoist and started looking it over, and I found some things that didn't look too good. Oh. Under, underneath, you know, and. Uh, some of the in the torque boxes and stuff it looked a little soft so i i let the car down and i took the interior out and and uh under the rug it had it had obviously got wet being a convertible yeah and, it had, and the floor was rotten no yeah so really you can imagine the disappointment so here i passed <sighs> up more money from fran crest yeah for a car you know just because i wanted to be a gentleman and honor a deal well i ended up getting a car that had rust on it it's noble of you, but it well, sort of sucks. That, at that point, I was like, well, shoot, you know that. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't say just didn't that. Say that. I said something else. <laughs> yeah. But I was really disappointed at that point. So I, I just called him up and I said, dude, this wasn't a buyer beware deal. Um, and uh, you're a good guy and you know I'm a good guy. And, and, you know, I could have sold the car for 30 grand more than you paid. Yeah. Um, before your guy got there. And... Um, we got to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring the car back. I'm going to give you your money back and I'm going to call Mr. Cress and sell it to him. And he goes, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And I said, well, I mean, we only have two options here. I'm we're either get we're either trading back and I'm giving back your money or you're going to pay for me to restore this car because well, well cause you were promised a car, right? From the inspector yeah. who said, this is all good. It was as clean as what I was selling, right? It was dry, 100% perfect car. So uh, basically, you were supposed to be trading not equal value, but equal cars in, equal, in a sort of way. Right? Yeah, sort of equal um, condition. condition yes. Right. Equal yeah. condition. That car is, you know, the one you got wasn't as valuable as the one you sold him, just yeah. because it was not a blue chip car, not a yeah. 65, right? Yeah, right. But yeah. you were under the impression it was supposed to be. Yeah. The same, the same sort of deal. Yeah, the same chassis, the same like yeah, rust-free, dry, you know, perfect, all that perfect car. Well, so he he said, I'll "Leave that with me. I'm not going to leave you hanging, Russ." So we uh, he he thought about it for a bit, and he called me back, and he said, uh, "Let's get a price together for fixing the part that's rusted." He goes, "I don't think it's fair to ask for a full-blown restoration because then you're getting a car that's mm -hmm. worth more money." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." Okay. To some degree. Like, where do you stop, though, when you're fixing a car? Like, you're not going to, like, cut the center out of a car and then not paint it. Yeah. Right? You can't. So we actually that tr we tr actually tried that. <laughs> really? <laughs> we had crossed our mind that we were going to try it, let's say. Um, ended up. So we, we made an agreement. He was good about it. He, he sent me a, a check for an agreed a price on yeah. what it would take to fix the portion that was unknown. And he said, I'll deal with the person I bought it from, because I mean, I knew that wasn't going to go anywhere, but he felt that he should at least let that guy know that, because it made him look really bad, oh, yeah. right? Like no he kidding. felt really bad, um, and I and rightfully so. I mean, and I was angry, but not. I knew that he didn't mean, he didn't he didn't know that. Yeah, he genuinely didn't know that. So, yeah. So we ended up doing a full nut and bolt concourse day one. Really. Rotisserie restoration on the '68 which was quite fun. We did it in three months. Um, my friend, Andrew Ferris, who built this truck, uh, he, he did the rust repair and the paint and body. I kept the entire powertrain at my shop and did all the sandblasting and detailing of every piece, every nut and bolt myself. Wow. And the top and all the interior went to this guy named Tori uh, during the same time. So we, actually we were working on it at three shops. Wow. So. We, it, it was, uh, we start, yeah, anyways, we got it done in three months. So we put it in the Dragon's Show on a rotisserie. Yeah. Like you talked about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those cars we went too far on. So it wasn't fun to drive either. And it wasn't what I wanted, right? Yeah. Because I wanted just a driver quality car mm -hmm. that was cool. And then here we went too far on it again. So 
man, sometimes we don't learn, right? <laughs> so what, where, where'd that car end up? Well, we kept it for just a short time, did a few shows. Um, and then, uh, I had a really cool 62 F 100 truck, mm. um, that we had also built too nice to drive. Um, so I had these two things I, and it was kind of, you know, I had just kind of committed to living a simpler life yep. and I had another one that was too nice. So, um, I consigned both of them at Bear Jackson and, uh, we hauled them down there and we sold both and at a Scottsdale auction. We got nice. accepted. It was a bit of work to get them imported because you can't, they won't really take your consignment until they have a title. Right. And being Canadian cars, they don't have a title. So, uh, that was a bit of a process, but I had a friend in Montana who, I basically trusted, I gave him the cars, right? Yeah. Titled them in Montana. We could finish our consignment. And then when it came time to uh, get to the auction, uh, him and I towed him down there. Sweet. So it was, that was a cool experience. It was the year Ron Pratt sold all his stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we actually ended up in the tent two rows over from all Ron's stuff. Uh, and we got to start. The, the truck sold on Thursday. Uh, Thursday at, they call it happy hour. So right when... Uh, 5.30 kind of thing. Yeah. And the truck sold. It went really well. It lit it up, man. It was pretty fun. Awesome. And that was a Thursday. And then Friday, the the, the car sold, the Shelby sold. Uh, at 6 o'clock sharp, it started the Shelbys. So Whoa, it's really? kind of set the tone. Um, now, obviously, they never use the best car first, right? They save those for Saturday. Yeah. But they do sell some really good Shelbys on Friday night. It's always kind of been their thing. And they get like a, a, a good one to set the tone. So not the best one, because it was a it was a small block automatic. So it's mm -hmm. not a it's not a KR and it's not a but it's a small block automatic convertible that's done day one restoration. So they picked it to start it off. Cool. Cool. It was neat. Yeah. Oh, that's um, fantastic. That was fun, man. It lit it up. What's you know, I've never even it's not a bucket list thing for me to go to one of those. What's yeah. Scottsdale like? What's that whole thing? It's What's electric. the whole thing like? Man, it's electric. It like especially being a consigner. Oh yeah. And and um it's nerve wracking. Um but um if you've ever done any other things with auctions, you pretty much know that any car that you bring to an auction that's quality is gonna sell high. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or at least what you should get. Right. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get shafted. Um, so I pretty much knew that I've had enough auction history with previous things in the farm and stuff, but uh, man, it was fun. You met a lot of cool people. Um, they're more than ever, you know, just the guys that are there, they're car guys, man. Well, and it's, it's not just an auction. Yeah. I mean, it is, but there's just so much well, more going on around there it's too. It's more right? a car show than an auction. Right. For sure. Yeah. 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 And do, yeah. they have, do they have live music and stuff like that? And so much, man. Yeah. Free drinks for consigners and buyers. <laughs> um, you know, so it, that, that gets them all happy. The, like the, the mood in the ring is just unbelievable. That's cool. Uh, it's really fun. Uh, yeah, anybody who hasn't been, man, just, <sighs> man, when this is all over and we can travel again. It, yeah, going, I got, going I, to a Bear Jackson, it should be on every car, every car guy's first, well, first list to do. It, yeah, it's on mine. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So, well, you know what? That's so that's kind of the, the Shelby story that yeah. you had for that. Tell me about this AC Cobra. That AC right Cobra. Here. Well, it's uh, it's like built in 1990. It's a 65 Cobra. Uh, I bought it from a fella in Denver, Colorado who had lived in California when he built it and he thought it was a good idea to have a Cobra. And then he moved to Denver and it was like, it was, he said it was too cold. <laughs> so he didn't ever get to drive it. So he had it, he had it for sale on this website called Cobra Country. Okay. Um, and uh, it had a, uh, a 427, um, like an actual FE cast iron 427 oh, side okay. oiler in it yep. with a C6 automatic. And most guys think they want stick shifts in their Cobras until they drive them. Um, <laughs> there's not very much foot room. That's why I say that, but it had an automatic. So we actually, um, didn't get a bad deal on it, you know, cause it being an auto it really, it's, it stayed on the, on the website for quite a while. Really? Yeah. And it was, my wife's it was approaching her 40th birthday and, uh, I thought not a bad surprise. Maybe if uh, I can pull it off. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So, that's what I tried to do. I mean, I think the secret kind of got out why I had to go to Denver, but, <laughs> um, so yeah, we've had it almost 10 years now. 
Um, I, uh, I took that, the cast iron motor ran quite warm. So I took it out and I, uh, I bought, I sold it actually to a guy who was restoring a galaxy because that he was doing a, like a, like a numbers kind of car mm-hmm. and it suited the date code era that the number, the motor needed to be for his restoration. So, um, that was kind of my contingency on whether I sell it or not, if I actually get decent money for it, cause it being a, a side oiler. So, uh, he bought it and, uh, I, I ordered a, um, Robert Pond, uh, aluminum 427 stroker. So that, that's a 620 horsepower <laughs> aluminum, um, but it's an FE. So you open the hood, it, it, I mean, it looks just like a 427 side oiler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, it cools a little better. It makes a lot more power. And then we did put an overdrive in it as well. So it's, an, it's, a, it's still an auto. Um, it's a, called a Lentec. So okay. a Lentec AOD um, with a full manual valve body. Really good tranny. Really, really strong tranny, the way the Lentec builds them. And uh, the overdrive is electric. Oh, neat. So it's on a switch. Yep. So you can shift full manual valve body, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's still kind of a manual. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. You know, you got to shift it but you're not using a clutch. So um, guys with big feet that drive, if you've never driven a Cobra uh, and your feet are size 10 or 12 or whatever, you, like you literally can't drive um, with your right foot on the brake. You have to use your left foot for the brake and your right foot for the gas. Oh, really? Your right foot stays on the gas because there's only like eight or 10 inches of room. Yeah, I was peeking in there. Like there yeah. really is nothing. There's no room. And the, the pedals are a, yeah. an inch wide. Yeah. Like not almost yeah. no so, pedal there. Like you've heard of nipple confusion. Well, pedal confusion, <laughs> right? <laughs> so exactly. that's why when I drive this car, either my wife or I, we both drive left foot, right foot, which we don't do in any other vehicle. Yeah. But in a Cobra, it's just your left foot stays on the brake. Your right foot stays on the gas. Just easier that way. Yeah, because if it... If you ever stick a throttle on a car that weighs 2,000 pounds with 600 horsepower, it's a bad thing. <laughs> no kidding. Well, I was going to say, there's actually, there's tread on those tires. Yeah. Like, man, you must yeah. be pretty nice to this We're because pretty, 600 horsepower would just yeah. roast those in. Like, it, it does. It does. Uh, you know what? But look at where the seats are. Um, look at where the front of the engine would be. Yeah, yeah. So, really, you're sitting, you know, you can touch the back wheels when you reach out of the door yeah with your left hand yeah yeah and the front of the crankshaft pulley is actually behind the center axle oh really 10 or 12 inches so that engine's actually versus a mustang if you compare it to a mustang platform the whole powertrain and driver's position is pushed back like probably almost two feet Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so with that said um, the balance, when I'm sitting in that car, it has 52% rear weight. Oh, really? With, with an aluminum big block in it. Um, so it actually has surprising traction. It'll, it'll like, I mean, it still blazes the tires on command, but right. it doesn't yeah. like incinerate them like a Mustang, you know? Yes. The, you know, the front heavy. Right. And no, very little weight on the rear end of it. Right. Yeah. And they just blow the tires off. And once that happens, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. In a right. Cobra, even if the tires are squealing, it is still picking up speed fast because it doesn't weigh anything and the, there's more weight on the rear wheels than the front. What you're really saying is that Carroll Shelby really knew what the hell he was doing. He knew what he was doing, dude. And if you ever listen to anything he ever said, it was all about, it was all about balance and weight. He mm-hmm. didn't give a shit how much horsepower anything had. It wasn't fast unless it was balanced. You know, I think that's something that, you know, I think our modern cars have lost a lot of. Yeah. I know this was a very special car even when it came out too, right? Obviously it was. But everything is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, especially North American stuff. Right. And more horsepower. Yeah. But the ratio never really changes. No. And without the traction control and stuff, those those cars don't hook with a shit. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, they're they're getting smarter with launch control and everything, but... We had a 2009 GT500 KR, mm-hmm. um, with, even with drag radials on it. And if you put the traction control off, you couldn't even get that thing into the 12s yeah. at the racetrack. A 600 horsepower car that doesn't run 12s, what? You right. Know, this, this car, I don't know what it would run, but man, I've raced a Hellcat with it uh, in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> in Mexico. Hey, you're right. <laughs> um, but 
uh, I raced a Hellcat with it from our from a dead stop, which I thought I was going to be in trouble because yes. they got launch control, they got all the all the smart shit. Mm-hmm. Man, I pulled away on him like four bus lengths as soon as I. You're kidding? Going. Yeah, yeah, and and I was I was going sideways like using my whole lane the whole time, and he was so far behind me, man, you could hardly see him anymore really? at the end of first gear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this car rolls, man, but it's it's all about balance. Yeah, and I and I think that you know, especially mm, European manufacturers yeah. in the '60s were, were and '50s and '60s and '70s, they yeah. were all kind of really into that, you know. Yeah. Like when European stuff showed up here, and that's what this really exactly is. It's a British car. It's a British car, yeah. right? But you know that flipped everything on its head in North America yeah. because all of a sudden, all this small stuff, these little vehicles, yeah. or like a Jag E type would show up. Yeah relatively small car but a v12 in it yeah and just handle like nobody's business yeah and that's you know it's i think what like say motorcycle manufacturers they still do that right they still yeah. pare down every part they can mm-hmm. cut down weight yeah maximize that that ratio power yeah. to weight yeah but you know like passenger vehicles especially and yeah. but even the performance stuff now yeah they just more horsepower more weight they just everything just goes up 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 yeah and they're not really they're not worried about balance either you know and they are heavy cars. Oh, but, totally. You know, Carroll Shelby said to his dying day, his two favorite cars were the Slabside Cobra, like the actual 289. He didn't even like these. The 427 Cobra, no, to him was a piece of shit. <laughs> he, he didn't he didn't care at all for them. He was he was about the 289 Cobra, and you know what other car? Hmm. The the GLH, the Omni Shelby. <laughs> That's hilarious. He said, like literally, I've I've heard lots of things about that. And seen him, you know, talk live at Shelby American at, you know, at the uh, Shelby bashes. Hmm. And they would ask him, what's his favorite car? And he would say the Omni, like the GLH. Yeah. It was called Goes Like Hell. That's what the That's GLH right. was for. Yeah. And he did that because it was a turbocharged four-cylinder that weighed nothing. Yep. And it handled good. He was all about handling. And he, he would tell anybody to their face that he'd kick their ass with a, a small car that was well-balanced and it was light. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I, I, like this, this AC it would be amazing to drive, mm. but there are some really small, fun, cheap cars that are a lot of fun to drive too, yeah. just because they are balanced yeah. and they're nimble yeah. and they're set up that right way. Yeah. And you know, there's some really big, heavy, fast stuff, yeah. but throwing around in corners yeah. gets a little uh, scary. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I don't want to do that <laughs> again. You know, really good in a straight line and yeah. amazingly blitzingly fast. But you start to throw things around, and it gets a little bit like, "Ooh, there's a lot of weight here," and yeah. you realize that yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I've never driven some of the, you know, some of the cars. I was thinking when you're mentioning that, like the WRX, yep, the Festiva or Fiesta, Fiesta ST, uh, R- yep. yeah, ST. So those are some cars I'd really like to drive and see what they're like and how they compare to a Cobra, you know, because they've obviously come a long way with shock technology and things like yes. that. And those cars are going to be balanced and they're going to be light and they're, you know. Um, I'd, I'd really like to drive some of them. Well, a friend of mine has a Fiesta ST. Okay. And you and I live in the same town, so we know what road we're talking about. But yeah. basically, end of uh, 10th Street turns past the dump. Yeah. I mean, that corner he can do, <clears throat> he said it, like 75 or 80 kilometers an hour. Wow. Doesn't even slow down. Doesn't even <laughs> lift off. You just turn. <laughs> okay, just, yeah. you're brave. But yeah, like yeah. Th- th- it does handle that well. Yeah. But it's not going to win a drag race. No. But no, well, it, but it'll, it'll surprise a lot of people light to light. Oh, yes. And corners. And, oh, yes. And, you know, if you're actually trying to get away, like if you were like actually just going out there and saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to give her nails here and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to lose you, man, those cars, you wouldn't stay with them in a Fox body Mustang or a, or a Challenger or even a new Mustang. I don't think you would, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, they're too heavy. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, even speaking of Mustangs, like. Outside, there's a, a coyote swapped, just a piece of shit Fox body coupe, but we put a coyote motor in it. Yeah, that's cool. So it's like, you know, you're kind of doubling the horsepower. Yep. And um, that makes them fun, you know. <laughs> uh, they're actually a little bit lighter than they were originally. Yeah, that's right. But a whole bunch more power and, and the technology of the variable cam timing and stuff like that, yeah. it really makes them fun. I mean, I guess I get it because, you know, when we start talking about stuff like like a Fox body Mustang mm-hmm. or a new Mustang. Mm-hmm. Although they're sports cars, they're, 
they're passenger cars, so they have to meet safety regulations and crash test worthiness. Right. I think that's, that's probably played a big role yeah. into what's weighing everything down. True. Because yeah. it has to survive a crash. Yeah. Don't crash a Dodge Omni no. <laughs> because you're not going to make it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see what happens in this AC Cobra, no, right? No, dude. Like, hey, can you imagine, you know, losing control in that thing? Yeah, there's I mean, not even it, a roll bar in there's, it. You basically, like, we tell you the truth. My wife and I don't even wear our seatbelt in that car. It's kind of like, I, I look at it as a go-kart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guys at kart race, don't, aren't, they're not locked into their kart. You, you kind of want to get out of there. Well, when like, it's when it's when it is what it is, it's basically a frame with a fiberglass top on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's nothing else to it. No, there's nothing to it. I mean, and if you're going to roll it, you're you're dead if you're locked in there. Oh you're, yeah. You're better to take your chances of getting flung out on the first roll. I think. So we actually don't wear our seatbelt on purpose just because of that. In that specific car. Yeah. yeah. Only that car. Only yeah. that car. I can I can see that though. It's yeah. there's not much car there. No. <laughs> and 600 horsepower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we're pretty nice. I mean, it's more or less just a kachuk, kachuk, kachuk. Yeah, you know, the big cam and drive it around. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Who cares what's, how much power it makes? It sounds cool. And well, it's, I can it's see. Fun. Like I say, I can see by the tires. There's still tread on them, <laughs> yeah, so obviously yeah. you don't. <laughs> it gets baby. <laughs> so that's what's on my right, but on my left is something totally different, but very, very cool. Take me through this truck. You've got like it's a it's an F one fifty. Yeah, slammed a, to the ground. Yeah, it's a it's an 08 F one fifty. It was originally a, a Chip Foose edition. If you, those of you that go back to the Ford Hafton in those days, uh, Chip Foose was going to kind of make a name for himself with yeah. Ford, and uh, they they let him make a, a run of modified half tons. They kind of fell on their face, I think, because of fuel prices in two thousand eight. It was like a buck seventy a liter yeah. premium. So. Uh, they didn't sell really well. And I think maybe that had something to do with chip Foose not working with Ford anymore. I'm not sure, mm. but anyways, this is a cool truck, two wheel drive, uh, crew cab, um, became my daily driver. We had uh, jacked up guys at Ju- like Jubilee business there. They had lowered it, um, on the stock wheels and it was static dropped. It rode really shitty, but, uh, it was low and it was neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was red, red with silver stripes. Oh, okay. Um, so anybody from around here, you've probably seen that truck. Driving, um, yeah. There wasn't very many of them. No, no, yeah. that, they stood out for yeah, sure. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, it was my daily for quite a while. We had it souped up quite a bit. There's a guy in South Carolina that uh, he was like kind of the, the lightning tuner guy that oh okay guys would take their lightnings to. Yep. So I kind of searched him out because um, it was actually pretty disappointing for being a five four with a supercharger factory. You know, he thought it should be pretty fast. What you're saying is an EcoBoost is probably quicker. Probably. Oh, I would imagine an EcoBoost even now maybe yeah. would hang with it. Yeah. yeah. But um, so anyways, I, I took it down to South Carolina and he did a bunch of mods to it, ported the blower, did a bunch of stuff, oh. headers, and it makes in the 500s at the wheels kind of thing. Wow. So, but it's still a heavy truck, right? Yep. So it's still not very fast. But anyways, my daughter asked if she could take it to school and, and uh, I was like, yeah, sure. So she did the one day. It was fine. Um, that night she's telling me how she raced this Camaro from the lights at, at, <laughs> at Costco. And I kind of thought, I kind of thought to myself, you probably shouldn't let her take it tomorrow, but I did. I let her take it the next day again. Yeah. And she was late for school and had rained a little bit. And she took this back road where you're talking that same corner where your buddy can go 80 K. Yeah. Well, she went around there and there was somebody slow in front of her and it wasn't too patient because she was late for school. So mm-hmm. she pulled it down into second and punched it. And like at 60 miles an hour, broke the tires loose. Uh oh. And she spun around on the road and went through a barbed wire fence backwards into that marsh there that's on the left side. Oh boy. So she uh, called me, and it was our dad moment. It was a time for <clears throat> her and I didn't have the best relationship that a father and daughter should have <laughs> yeah. at that point. But it was a turning point because it was you're going to chew her out or are you going to ask her if she's okay? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, Luckily, things went okay there. I, I was better than... You, you held it she, together? I was better than she was. She expected. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the cops came and got the truck and everything. And, and being that uh, I mentioned Andrew Ferris, I mentioned his name earlier, he did that Shelby for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we became friends over that build. And so this truck went to him. Uh, at that time, he was doing um, collision repair as well. Okay. So, so the SGI claim went through him. And uh, they were able to save it just from not being rode off. So during that time... So what was damaged? 
Um, it needed a full paint job. The, some of the ground effects were tore off. Um, the frame wasn't bent or anything, but the wheels were, there was a couple of bent wheels. Mm, yeah. Um, a few things like that. I can't remember the exact claim. I think there was some dents along this side too, actually. Yeah. Going through a fence. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think a post had kind of dented and it ripped the front cover it off. It those... didn't end up in the water, did it? No, it wasn't in the water. It was in the weeds for sure. But <laughs> yeah. Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I can't remember exactly the damage, but it was close. It was to close. That they wanted to write it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were able to save it from that. And while I was there, I'm like, Andrew, you know, I've always wanted this thing on air ride. You do such a good job of air ride. Let's, let's make it lay frame. So awesome. That was all he needed to hear. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cause he's he, anybody that knows him, that guy is like the absolute Einstein. Wow. Looking at this truck. Work. I yeah. believe you. Yeah. Yeah. He, so he, he stretched, uh, the, the quarter, the quarter panel behind the rear wheel. Um, so that when the truck lays frame, it actually lays body all the way around. Oh, the whole way. The whole yeah, way because it's, it's yeah. a fascia on the front bumper. Yeah. And you've got kind of a rocker panel. Yeah, ground effects. Ground effects on yeah. the side. Yeah. But then, yeah, the back of the truck would be higher up it if it was be. just stock. That's right. Yeah. They, they never are as low in the back as they are in the middle. Sure. So, um, yeah, he stretched that so it lays out right around. Um, and being that, it, you know, usually you've got to body drop a truck for it to lay body. Because it, when it hits frame, it doesn't lay body then. So you got a body drop. But because this truck has ground effects, mm-hmm. essentially it lays body and frame at the same time. <laughs> um, so the cool thing, though, is the size of those rear tires, wheels. So those rear wheels are 24 by 15s. Oh. Uh, and the tires are 405, 25, 24 um, Pirellis. And then 405, have, yeah. 25, 24 inch. Oh. Yeah. So... So the 405 means it's 16 inches wide, right? No kidding. Yeah. You could, if it, if it was like a dished wheel, you could flip it over and take a bath in it, basically. Yeah, there's 12 inches of lip on that wheel. No kidding. Yeah. 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 So, so then to do that, though, right. the box had to all come apart. Yeah. So the box, box was off. Um, actually, the whole rear, the whole frame pretty much uh, behind the cab was modified wow the suspension uh is called a cantilevered six link um so the the bag the airbags aren't right on the diff mm. they, they kind of operate i believe on a like almost a two to one ratio so the bag's quite short in travel but it it lifts on a lever okay so it, it the bag only moves four inches but the truck moves eight yeah okay it, it multiplies it yeah, yeah that makes sense yeah sure. and, the, and that sort of idea makes it ride really good Oh, right. Because you're, you got a small bag that's not on your diff. Mm-hmm. You can run, um, well, I don't know if air pressure wise, I'm not really an expert in that, but I know all I know is this thing rides great. A lot of, a lot of air ride stuff doesn't ride that good. Hammers over everything. Right. right. So another thing that Andrew, like he's just so smart that way. Wow. We ordered a, we ordered a system from uh, a place in the States, but he ended up basically just making everything. Wow. And so that whole rear suspension is his, his doing, we cut the diff obviously just to the width of the frame. So, um, yeah, the, <laughs> and we cut like 14 inches out of the diff <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Well to get the wheels that wide, yeah, right into to the get thing them tucked in. So you're basically tubbing it. Right. Yep. And then, uh, um, we put wheelwood brakes on it now that they don't make a, a rear brake kit for a nine and three quarter Ford. So, that brake kit had to be basically we ordered a kit mm-hmm. for a nine inch and then Andrew welded um, the nine inch bearing flanges onto this nine and three quarter Ford. Wow. And then and made had some of his own pieces machined to make that work. Again, he like we built some cars over at the shop right now, but we don't know anything. <laughs> you know, this he, he's that guy knows Yeah. He's like just he can just make it all work in his head. What's amazing though is when you look at this truck, it looks like it could have come out of the factory like yeah. this. That's yeah. like, you know, there's people that have tubbed boxes and mm-hmm. tubbed cars, but it just ends up looking like this sort of a, just a, a an oil drum yeah. cut in half and shoved in there. Yeah. The box of this truck looks like it was stamped mm-hmm. at a factory because yeah. all those yeah. curved pieces and indents in every panel. Yeah. 
Like that was all made by him. Yeah, it was all handmade uh, on his Bally hammer. He's got a, three Bally tools, I think. And um, he, yeah, you know the the whole the, my I had a couple stipulations, and one was I wanted it to look OEM. Yep. I don't want to make it. I don't want to make it look showy or flashy. And we're not like we're not putting it on mirrors ever. We're not doing anything like that. Look, give it a cool paint job. So we did do a rendering actually. It was supposed to be blue mm. with, with uh, like, those are billet wheels. You know, they were just going to be polished billet wheels. Yep. The truck was going to be blue with silver. Um, that was, and we really were all about the rendering. And then as time went on, it took some time to build the truck. As it went on, um, we were kind of like, you know, that's kind of mini trucky, right? That's kind of like mm. that chrome thing's kind of over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he, he sent me a picture one day of this Lambo that was wrapped with this, uh, a similar wrap to this paint job. Yeah. And he, and it had gold wheels and he's like, what do you think of this color combo? And I'm like, yeah, man, let's do that. To, to describe this color. And there's going to be pictures up on, uh, up on my website and everything like that, but it's a flat matte color, satin. satin. Yeah. Okay. That's the perfect word. Yeah. That's the real, real description, but it's, it's a dark charcoal, yeah. but it has like a hint of there's it, something it, else in there. It's actually right? like gunmetal gray with metallic. Yeah. And then if you would if you had to put shiny base clear on it, it would be like a shiny gunmetal. But he actually just he puts a flattening agent into the clear and 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 flattens the clear down to a satin finish. Oh, that's cool. And that's how he achieved that. That looks like wrap, right? It like does. That, yeah. It, it, everybody asks if it's wrapped, and you tell them it's paint, and they're like, "How the heck?" Because it's so perfect. Yeah. The whole the whole truck yeah. is so uniform. Yeah. There's not a, you know, like a flaw in it anywhere. No. And it's such a perfect paint job. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and there's nothing you can do, the way I understand paint uh, with satin clear, like if you, when you're doing base clear, if you have a blemish or you have a, a bug falls in or whatever, you polish it out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, with satin, you can't, <laughs> there's no polishing. No, because you just make it shiny. It's got to be, it's out of the gun. Like it's, yeah, because you, you're, you're going to, you're, you're right. If you're going to polish, you're going to make it shiny. So even wiping this truck, you have to use a special product so it doesn't get shiny. Really? So we really just use like a microfiber and then a glass cleaner cloth. Okay. Yeah. With water. But I do have like a speed detailer that's meant for satin paint. So this truck is a summer truck only then, right? Yeah. You know what? I call it an ice cream truck. <laughs> You go to get ice cream in it. Right. It's yeah. just for getting ice cream. Yeah. Well, because you can't, I mean, you can go to a car wash, but yeah. don't touch the brush, basically. No. Right? None of that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. And like you say, you have to be pretty careful with what you do with it because yeah. it changes the paint, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, that, that way it goes a little bit against, um, you know, my whole new attitude of not making it too nice, but we didn't. You know, we left the interior alone. Yep. We left the engine bay alone. We just made it look really cool on the outside and it lays frame. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we drive it. I take it to work once in a while. Well, and you know what? The, the box has got... It's, it's lined. Box guard line. Yeah, yeah like so like... Throw shit in there. You could put... Yeah, you can haul stuff with it. Yeah. In fact, you showed me the tailgate too and how it, uh-huh. he's rear-engineered rear the tailgate basically too, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it folds down. It without, has to come out before it goes down because of the, the way he's modified the whole so back end. like a dual-action hinge that it uses basically. Yeah. yeah. Moves two ways right. to lay down. Yeah. But yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. It, thank you. It, it, I mean, I can't take any credit for it, but uh, we really like like this thing. You know? Yeah. It's not, I don't know if the, it's not really the thing around here, you know? Like, lowered trucks aren't really... No, too, I guess it, it's you know, more, you know, hot rods and that it, sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, lowered trucks kind of are, I don't know um, how to say it, but it's not really that common here it's not really that accepted it's kind of a california thing yeah and you get a lot of comments like how do you drive that here but i mean realistically it lifts plenty high to drive and it rides really good but um you know (laughs) down in arizona um actually might take this thing there just because i think that's the scene where i would really enjoy it because Mm -hmm. the people not that you do the car hobby for other people but you do, you do kind of do the car hobby for other people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? no, no, I get it. Because totally. when you want to go to a show and shine, you want to have fun there, right? Yep. And if you're annoyed or you're kind of, you know, those kind of questions that are like, well, it's on air ride, dude. Like, 
So, <laughs> yeah. But down there, they don't ask those questions. No. Because it's pretty common to see a truck laid out. It's there. part of the scene down there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, I know I, I get that. Cause, yeah. and, and you want to connect with people who are interested in the same things you're interested yeah. in. Right? And that, if there's people down there that, like, that do this, mm-hmm. that's just a connection. Yeah. So. And there's more population there, too. So there's, a, there's kind of a shoe for every foot, if that makes sense. Totally. Right? Yeah. So just being... Being have, having so much population, yeah, they might be really outnumbered too versus the lifted truck guys, mm-hmm. but but still with 5 million people within a 100-kilometer circle, you're going to have guys that like lowered trucks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's fun to hang out with those kind of guys. You know, if the other lowered trucks, you go on a cruise or whatever, you get into, you know, a few clubs and met a few guys. Yeah. And, and uh, so uh, we, we, might, we might take it there. That's fun. Yeah, but... Well, uh, Russ, this has been an awesome tour of your, yeah. your, your garage, what's in here, and, yeah. uh, and a great Shelby story. So thank you for joining me today. No problem. This has been a blast of yeah. a time. And uh, we got more to talk about because yeah. you've had, what, like 30, 40-something cars, right? Yeah, I've had a few, yeah. Yeah, we, we, got, we got some more stories to tell. Some more cool stuff. Yeah. So uh, I'll take some pictures, and, and we'll show you the AC Cobra and, uh, yeah, this F-150. And uh, we will you'll see that up on some social media stuff, uh, jthomasauto.ca as well. So thanks for joining us and listening to this podcast. Subscribe, like, follow along, and uh, there's going to be more to come every week. Thanks for listening to Bald Tires. I'm Jay Thomas.